Spark your entrepreneurial pursuits with our guests' best-kept secrets for growing their business and healthcare practices. Get the how-tos that host How Out PR uses to win record sales for business owners and managers. This is BusinessWorks. Welcome to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar, your host, and I am here today with a special guest, Mr. Nick McGee. Um, spelled McGeehee, there's a <laughs> his last name is M, small c, capital G-E-H-E-E. And Nick is uh, a friend of a friend, and uh, we've had the pleasure of meeting recently, and I thought it might be interesting to have a different approach and perspective in this particular program. And... Um, talk about Nick's situation, which is uh, that he is a highly qualified young man with lots of skills and um, is uh, actually right now looking for a situation that seems to fit and that works for him and that seems to fit and work for an employer, which could be you if you're listening or it could be someone you know. So, um, Nick, you want to say hello, and then we'll uh, kind of drop back into what I'm talking about here. And just <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank you for inviting me to be here. Um, <clears throat> great to be here. Um, like you said, I am uh, currently between jobs. Um, the highly qualified uh, that you mentioned, I guess, would be I, I have three different advanced degrees, two masters and a Ph.D., uh, and then uh, a undergraduate degree in biology and education. Uh, so yeah, you, a lot of people would uh, say that I'm highly qualified in a lot of a, a variety of different fields. Okay, it sounds that way. A lot of degrees um, that usually makes the room pretty hot. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. We're going to talk about some of this. I'm curious because um, I, I and I think a lot of people would be interested, particularly because you have uh, all of these very strong educational credentials. You have some good, solid experience, and here you are kind of in between situations and looking for something that uh, seems to be a better fit and that makes better use of your skills and and, uh, and your way of thinking. And so, you know, maybe by sharing some of that today, you, you never know, something might pop up. But if it doesn't, this is also an opportunity for those of you who are business owners and managers uh, or professional practice owners and managers to uh, consider the the value and the input of uh, a, a, a talented, bright young person who is not sure actually where his credentials best fit. And maybe they fit with what you're doing and maybe they don't. But, you know, it's interesting to kind of explore and know um, that this sort of value is out there in the marketplace, and in this case in Cookville, Tennessee, of all places. Here we are in the middle of Tennessee, in the middle of nowhere, and somewhere in the middle of the nation, and uh, and Nick is, um, Nick is a, um, he's explained to me that he's a senior analyst. Um, he's been strategy consulting, so he's been able to help out with strategy development in business, uh, project management. Um, he certainly has the educational credentials, and we're going to ask about that in a minute, and eight years worth of research. Uh, that he has done. He has, um, I'll let you talk about yourself. Why don't you tell us, Nick, somehow what these things mean and how they work and what you've gotten out of them. And I, I may uh, interject some questions as we go. But if you want to just give us a little background. Sure. So uh, <laughs> up until December of 2019, uh, I had been in school since I was five years old. Um, <clears throat> so uh, a lot of that, uh, what you're talking about, research, uh, a lot of that went hand in hand uh, with the earning of my three advanced degrees, 
Uh, I, I performed a lot of different research projects uh, for Tennessee Tech University while I completed uh, some degrees there. Um, <clears throat> for the the STEM Center, uh, STEM Center. Yeah, you mentioned that STEM to me. What uh, can you tell us what the S T E M stand for? And because a lot of people may be not familiar with that. Sure. Uh, so S T E M stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Not to be confused with STEM cells. That's something that ah, a, a okay. lot of people. Uh, <clears throat> so let me go that again. So science, technology, engineering, and math. And those are the four main hunks of uh, of STEM, so to speak, or STEM degree. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and the idea is that uh, the reason why they're all together is that it's integrated. So uh, frequently, uh, when you, both you and I were growing up and going to school, you know, science and, and math were two, two separate things. Um, when you got to college, you know, you maybe took some engineering classes or technology classes, but really they're all integrated if you think about it. So math is a tool uh, frequently that you use to solve engineering or science projects. Science is a is a uh, a process and technology is often uh, it can be a product uh, or it can be a tool, but these things work together seamlessly. And that's the whole thing behind STEM uh, is that it's an integrated discipline. It's mastery uh, of using all these things together. Okay, that's great. I mean, and so uh, wh when you end up with this degree, what, what kinds of work does that qualify you for? So it just depends. Uh, as with most terminal degrees, it it, uh, it enables you to teach at a collegiate level uh, if you would like to. Uh, specifically, uh, these degrees were associated with the College of Education, so they would be uh, that would qualify you to teach in any type of College of Education. And depending on uh, any other credentials that you had. Uh, you may be able to teach engineering courses, math courses, science courses, uh, and, and so on. Uh, or uh, uh, because uh, the heavy research that were, that is required to get these degrees, uh, the amount of research courses that you take, you're also uh, qualified to teach research courses uh, you know, at a terminal degree level, so to other PhD students uh, and whatnot. Um, so that's one option. Um, how does this how does this translate into a business setting? This value that you have for this this background. Sure. So understanding how everything is integrated, uh, and 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 also having mastery of, of research skills, both quantitative and qualitative skills, um, they allow you to solve problems uh, for businesses, and ultimately. Um, that's where my value comes as an employee is that I'm not a, I'm not a wrench. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like a Swiss army knife. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. A lot of different blades there. You're going <laughs> to, right. So, uh, and a corkscrew away. So I'm telling you, right? <laughs> um, so uh, it, it enables you to use uh, the knowledge that you have um, in science, technology, engineering, or math, you know, whatever the project may be. Um, and your scientific and research prowess to be able to solve problems. So an example of that is, uh, you know, I've done some work in business operations where, you know, I collected internal data uh, from several different uh, disparate systems, organized it so we could uh, get a better hold, uh, a better look of, uh, you know, how the company was doing in specific processes. Um, and that's just a question that an executive had that needed to be answered. Um, sometimes executives have problems where, 
Uh, they want to know what features to put in a product that they may be developing. <clears throat> and then there comes your research skills and research writing and information synthesis skills uh, where you go out and uh, and that's a little bit of market research, too. Um, you know, you go out and see what people are interested in. What what are people buying? Is it worth it to include in your own product? Um and then I've also done uh, work with partnerships where, uh, you know, a company is thinking about partnering with uh, another entity and uh, what, what's in it for them, what's in it for us. And uh, what are the, some of the things that the executives need to know when they try to make that deal happen? Uh, and so you're the skills that you that you earn from from having or not that you earn the skills that you uh, develop while earning this degree. Uh, they enable you to actually truly be that well-rounded individual that all colleges uh, seek to produce um, because you become kind of a jack-of-all-trades uh, problem solver. And you enjoy solving problems is what I gather. You're, yes, <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> uh, not everybody does. But, uh, so, so, but your approach to solving problems is um, more oriented toward concrete things and and um, and methods and technology and all that, as opposed to uh, emotional problems or something. You you really focused on on things and and um, and the accumulation or the loss of things and how they can be improved or replaced or taken away or what what. what what kind of end result from a, a typical project, if there is such a thing that you would might expect? Sure. So, um, so yeah, I would say in general, uh, well, I'm not talking with people about their feelings or whatnot, although that is honestly a, a large portion of marketing if for anyone who's familiar, uh, familiar with that, <laughs> you know, people are emotional, um, <clears throat> but it's the making sense of the data. It's being able to know what data will help answer your question uh, and then how to analyze it properly and present it to the people that need to make the decisions. So, so an example of that would be, uh, <clears throat> you know, lost, lost sales. Okay, so I once worked worked on a project with uh, lost sales. You know, why are we losing these sales? Okay, so in order to answer that question, okay, first you got to go look at your data. Okay, and and frequently any any company that has uh, you know a lot of uh, salespeople, they have many more lost sales than they do have closed sales. Um, especially in the world of software. And so you start with just gathering data and that sometimes that's cold calling. Sometimes that's emailing people in a mass list. Um, and then what do you want to know from them? Um, so you want to know why they chose not to buy your product or your service, whatever it may be. Um, and specifically my experience with this uh, software company that I'm referring to um, <clears throat> You know, did they choose to go with an in-house solution or or who else did they choose? And and just by knowing the right, you know, the right number of questions to ask and, uh, you know, you, you get down to your data that, that that's relevant. And then and then from there, uh, you know, you just you compile all of it together and you say, well, X amount of of lost sales chose to go with an, an internal solution while Y amount of uh, lost sales chose to go with, uh, you know, brand B competitor. 
Uh, and then you start getting into qualitative data and you start asking them why. Those are follow-up things. All right. We're going to come back to that point in a minute. We're going to take a short break and um, we'll, we're going to find out why in a few minutes. <laughs> so uh, if you are following us, then um, we're happy about that. If you have questions of Nick, um, you can contact him through me. You can send an email to hal at businessworks.us and put 941 in the subject line and, and Nick's name, Nick. And I will know that it's for him and see that he gets that question or answer or response to immediately. Okay, we'll be right back. Don't go away because we're going to hear more about uh, uh, Nick McGee and his family and what's going on here. Welcome back to Business Works. This is Hal Alpiar with our special guest today, Nick McGee. Uh, Nick has been explaining to us some of his background and ways that he's been able to use it. And um, we are interested in hearing a little bit more of this. And we'd like to know a little bit about your personal side, maybe, Nick, if you could share some of that with us so that we have a, uh, a sense of uh, your balance <laughs> and, uh, and your support mechanism and your family and all of that. Uh, I think that those are really important ingredients as you go forward in life. And uh, I'm sure m most people listening would agree. Um, can you tell us a little bit about you, about your family? Let's start with that. Maybe um, did, did you grow up here and are you, you know, where are you, uh, where are you thinking about? Uh, are you aiming your, your mindset to, be in Yugoslavia, or do you have some special place that you would really like to um, migrate toward in, in your life as you go forward in business? And some of that, if you can give us a little flavor of your thinking, that would be great. Sure. So uh, I was raised originally in Hohenwald, Tennessee, which is about uh, 90 miles southwest of Nashville. Uh, it's kind of a, you know, a, a one stoplight town. Um is it Hohenwald or Hole in the Wall? <laughs> uh, it's it's German. It's Hohenwald. Ah, Hohenwald. But, but it but it sounds like Hole in the Wall. And, yes, and it is. <laughs> uh, it, it is a little Hole in the Wall. Um, and yeah, I graduated with about a hundred people in my uh, high school class. Uh, so it's a pretty small place. It's in Lewis County, around the Natchez Trace. Uh, for anybody that may be familiar with that area. And I grew up there with my uh, my older brother and my mother and father. Um, my mother has worked for the state of Tennessee for uh, like 30 years uh, almost. And my father owns uh, his own business. He builds trusses. Uh, <clears throat> he owns it with uh, two other partners. And they just opened up their uh, second site in Kentucky uh, not very long ago, about a month ago or so. Um <clears throat> And one of the things that I noticed when I was growing up there is uh, just how poor the, the education was compared to other places. And so I uh, I was very interested in... Did you, excuse me, did you know that from talking with other people or visiting places? Uh, I knew that. Um, I knew that from talking to other people and then also... There was a we had a brief uh, stint where we lived in Florida for two years, uh, and when when we lived there, uh, you know, I was playing catch up uh, as far as school was concerned. And then once we moved back to Hohenwald, I didn't learn anything new in math for like three years. 
Uh, that must have seemed odd. Yeah, <laughs> so you goofed off for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, school was school was easy. Uh, so I and you know that's that's nice for a kid that only cares about you know playing football and video games and whatever. But uh, but I really think lack of quality education does a child a disservice. Um, because you're not going to be a child forever. <laughs> and so can you tell, tell us a little bit about, I know some of your background spills into this area. Can you tell us a little bit about what your thinking is, um, about today's dynamics and, uh, this whole mess that's going on with coronavirus and closed schools and open schools and, and, uh, homeschooling versus public schools and all what do you have a sense of direction about that, that you would like to see? Sure. So, uh, a lot of my, uh, expertise as far as my degrees are concerned is in the realm of education. So, uh, and I also taught uh, high school biology for a year. So I do have some experience in the, uh, in the, the public sector um, <clears throat> regarding education. And uh, what I would say res- with regards to everything that's going on with the pandemic is I think public education has largely been caught with its pants down um, because most, uh, I would definitely say that the state of Tennessee was uh, wholly unprepared uh, to try to transition to uh, remote and electronic-based learning, um, and a lot of states are in the same position. Um, and so that's something that needs to be addressed anyways, um, because there are just times when kids aren't going to be able to go to school uh, like they normally should, and they need that. If if it's if they're going to public education, then they still need to have access. Um, but then, even furthermore, as far as going back to school, opening schools, um, <clears throat> as a teacher, uh, you don't get paid very much to begin with, and if you don't feel safe uh, at that point, uh, you know, going into a classroom of 30 students because that's real. That's how it is. It's 30 students most of the time per class rather than, uh, you know, 15 or 20. Uh, you know, research has shown for years that smaller class sizes are better, but, uh, you know, they never they never limit class sizes because they don't have enough money to hire enough teachers. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, teachers are going to be putting their lives at risk uh, by going uh, back to school because, Think about how many times as a child, your mom said, oh, you're fine. Go to school uh, yeah. <laughs> with with the uh, with, with this whole epidemic going on. Uh, you know, I I think that the the rate of transmission is going to be very high uh, if, if people go back to school, not saying that they shouldn't have a plan, because I don't I don't think that, uh, you know, just taking the school year off or anything like that is acceptable by any means. Um, but. Education is changing. It has been for years. The way people learn changes. We have the internet. Um, you know, there are things that education needs to do to catch up with the rest of the world as far as how people learn. Um, and we know, we know how people learn best. There, are, there's literally a book that I stand on <laughs> that's called How People Learn. Um, <laughs> so we know how people learn best, and it's not how public education. Uh, approaches it. So how how do you uh, how do you make use of that information and your thinking approach with your own children? You have two young children. Sure. Can you explain that a little bit? You, and and their ages and and uh, you know. 
Yeah, so I, I I do have two small children. I have a son. Uh, his name is Jason. He'll be four years old in December, and uh, my daughter Ellie will be two uh, this next coming Monday. Um, and as my philosophy as far as education goes, uh, and it's actually part of my professional goal in in life is to to start a school that I would be comfortable sending my children to. And if I'm comfortable sending my children somewhere, then, you know, then by God, you know, it should be good for everybody else's because I'm not going to put my kids in something, you know, that's dangerous or harmful or something that's not what I believe is best for them. You know, I I believe that, uh, you know, regardless of of a child's prior schooling, like K through eight, whether it was public school private school or homeschool, uh, by the time they reach about 13 to 14 years of age, uh, you know, they should start transitioning into what people would call like a normal public school environment or just a community environment where they learn and collaborate with others uh, that they may share a lot of differences with. Um, Not that I think that there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, homeschooling or private schooling uh, before then, but just those formative years, the teenage years, you know, 13 through 18 years old, um, those are, that, that's a very critical time. So, social development and all of that is... Uh, yeah. Social development, uh, as well as learning uh, 21st century skills that are going to be of great value to them, no matter what they decide to do with their life, whether it's going to be uh, going to college or going into the workforce immediately, you're going to have to work alongside and with other people, whether you like them or not. So there's a heightened awareness of that at that age. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, What, what, um, what is your thinking right now about where you want to go in uh, terms of how to apply all of this great education and experience and knowledge that you have? Well, uh, I'd say other than my professional goal of, of starting a school uh, that that I'd like to send my children to, uh, as long as I'm uh, helping humanity and improving the lives of others, uh, that's how I like to utilize my skills. Um, and so that could be, uh, you know, for an education company, it could be for a healthcare company. Uh, as long as I'm working uh, with and for an entity that that focuses on helping and improving the lives of others, uh I have fulfillment. Any questions you might have of Nick uh, or myself, you know, send me a an email, hal at businessworks.us. Um, put 941 in the subject line, and if it's for Nick, I'll see that he gets it promptly. And if it's for me, I will respond to it in any fashion you request, whether it's personal or on the air. Okay, in the meantime, we hope that you have a great day and a great week. Um, going forward, and that you are um, appreciative of all the wonderful things we have from our first responders and police officers and others, um, our troops, that pay the price of freedom for eternal vigilance. Thomas Jefferson said the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. So make today a great day for someone. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. You've been listening to Business Works. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.